You want a little update on Malawi? So they're in their third week on their fourth crusade, okay? And so they actually start tonight. So if you've been praying every day for them, start praying because they get ready in their final city. But I just got a report just this morning before the service started from Kyle Martin that um, they were invited to the presidential palace last night. All of their team, and there's 51 leaders uh, from different revive schools all around Africa that have come to be part of this, and they all got to meet with the president at the presidential palace. And from what I hear, from what we understand, the president will actually be at, in attendance at this crusade in this final week. So just be praying. Uh, hundreds have come to Jesus, and lives are being changed. They're calling the whole the whole nation to repentance. What a what an amazing thing. And we get to partner with that. All the way over here, we get to partner. Financially, we've been able to help them as a church, but also in our prayers, which is the most powerful tool that we have. So be praying this week for a great harvest and great revival. One of the other things that we get to do um, is partner with Small Church USA. Terry Thompson is a good friend of mine and pastor from Crawfordsville, Indiana, who is the founder and president of this ministry. And it's been our privilege to be able to partner with them this year for the first, uh, the first year we've partnered with them, but we're going to have an ongoing partnership with them. And you're probably going to tell a little bit about it, probably. A little bit. All right. Um, what it is, is revitalization program for churches that are struggling, smaller churches that are struggling, especially struggling pastors who don't have a multiple staff. They're kind of on their own out there and wrestling with what to do next. They're coming alongside of them. And be, with our support along with them, we get to come alongside of them and help them, especially those whose churches can't afford to put them through the program. We're scholarshipping them um, to help with that. So... We just talked last night, great things are happening, and the, the ministry is growing and expanding, and uh, the need is great. But um, would you help me with a warm welcome to bring Terry Thompson back to our platform um, to speak to us today? Love you, buddy. You too, man. Thank you. Wow, it's so good to be back at First Baptist this morning. And um, it's, uh, it's always a joy when I get to come and hang out with my good friend, Pastor Phil. We did dinner last night. And he is such a dear friend, and we've worked together in the past, and it's fun to partner again uh, in the days to come. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just uh, show you who my wife is. This is my wife, Kelly. I think we have it. Yep, right there. She wasn't able to make it with me today. She's actually uh, helping a very troubled young lady uh, get out of a very dangerous situation and helping her relocate to Florida right now. So she's on her way to Florida right now doing that ministry, and so she wasn't able to come today, unfortunately. And uh, this is our tribe. Uh, this is our two daughters and two son-in-laws and our six grandkids. And uh, so God has blessed us in so many ways, and we're very thankful for all of them. But we are really grateful for your partnership with Small Church USA. And uh, God is doing some great things since we've launched this ministry. We are uh, now working with uh, pastors and churches in 12 different states across the country, um, all the way from Utah to Texas and Oklahoma and Louisiana and Maryland, and of course right here in Indiana and the Midwest. And uh, the need is absolutely overwhelming. And God just keeps opening doors and just bringing new pastors and new opportunities our direction. And we are just trying to stay faithful and help as many of them as we possibly can. And, uh, and it's really exciting what God is doing. So thank you for your partnership. Uh, because as you know, these small struggling churches, um, a lot of them, one of the issues and one of the hurdles for getting help 
is actually just the finance piece of it. And uh, so we need partners that can help them be able to participate so that we can give them the help that they need. So thank you for your generosity in doing all of that. But we didn't come to talk about that today. We came to talk about God's word. And, uh, and so take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter five this morning, if you will. Galatians chapter five. And while you're going there, I wanna tell you a story to kind of set up uh, the morning. So I grew up in Iowa, in central Iowa, and uh, there's not a whole lot to do in Iowa if you've ever been there before. And so when I was in high school and college, um, we started going to old farm auctions because there's a lot of farm auctions out in Iowa. Who's been to a farm auction before? Let me, let me see your hand, okay? Uh, man, they are an absolute blast. And, and you know what happened? So I think I got a picture up here. They, uh, the auctioneer, they, they put everything on an old farm wagon and they drag it out into the yard. And when you get there, you get a little ticket with a number on it and uh, you get in the crowd and, and the auctioneer jumps up and guys start holding stuff up to auction it off. And if you want to bid, you just lift up your ticket and they have guys either on the wagons or in the crowd that are looking for the bidders. And they're kind of like spotters. And you hold your ticket up, and one of those guys sees it, he does this. Yep! And that means to the auctioneer, raise the price. <laughs> right? And so you bid, and somebody else bid, and you hear, yep! And the price keeps going up, right? Till nobody's bidding anymore. And uh, it's super fun to get, it's just like a frenzy almost when you get into that stuff. So a couple of months ago in Crawfordsville, they had an auction. I hadn't been to an auction for a long, long time. And I thought, I'm going to go. So I went, I got my number and I went and uh, bought a couple of things throughout the day. But it was a really big auction. It lasted all day. And about partway through the afternoon, I was just getting really tired. And I thought, man, I think I'm just going to go home um, and like I'm done. And, but here's what happens at the end of an auction. As the day gets longer, the auctioneer gets tired too, and stuff starts selling faster and cheaper at the end of the day. And so I decided to just sit down and relax for a few minutes, and, and I was just sitting there talking to a guy, and I kind of saw this happening, like, okay, it's going faster, and things are getting cheaper, and people are leaving, and the crowd's getting smaller, and sometimes they start putting stuff together and selling it together, and, uh, and I thought, you know what? I think I'm getting back up in the crowd. So I jumped back up in the crowd and, uh, and they come up and they, and they put this whole pile of stuff together. And the auctioneer says, okay, who will give me 20, 20, 20, 20? And nobody bids. Who will give me 10, 10, 10? Nobody bids. Who will give me five, five, five? Nobody bids. He goes, who will give me $2 for this pile of stuff? And I thought, well, that's in my price range right there. <laughs> and I lift up my tick and I hear, yep. And the auctioneer goes, sold to the man right there, and he reads off my number. So the reason that I bought this pile of stuff was because in this pile there was a, a, a red emergency siren. It was about that big and about that big around, and it was red and had two wires sticking out of it. And I thought, you know what? If I hook that thing up to a switch and it actually works, it's worth two bucks. And I got grandkids and we live out in the country. They're going to have a blast blowing this siren off. So, so I buy this thing for $2, this whole pile of stuff. And, um, and the auctioneer moves on and this elderly gentleman walks up to me and says, did you just buy that pile of stuff? And I said, yeah. He goes, is that an old siren? I said, I think so. And he goes, can I look at it? And I'm like, sure. And I hand it to him. He's looking at it and he goes, man, I love old sirens. Want to sell it? 
And I said, well, no, not really. And he goes, he goes, like, like, really like, like, I'd love to buy it from you. Like, what would you need for it? And I said, you know, I, I, like, I, I'm, I think I'm gonna keep it. Uh, I got some grandkids that, you know, might have some fun with that thing. And then he looks at me and he goes, no, really. I, I really wanna buy it. Like, what do you need for it? Well, so then I started thinking, right? Like, okay. And, um, and so, so I finally said, hey, like, I'm not trying to be difficult with you here, but like, I think I'm gonna keep it. And he goes, would you take a hundred bucks for it? What do you think I said? Yep. <laughs> Sold to the man for $100. I go, dude, if you want it for $100, it's yours. He pulls his big wad of money out, peels off a $100 bill, hands it to me. I hand him the siren and he goes on his way. I called Kelly. You won't believe what just, I just made 100 bucks at the auction. She says, no, you mean you, you spent $100. I said, no, I made $100, so I told her. Well, so that event, though, re-energized me for the rest of the day because now I'm playing with house money, right? I'm bidding on all kinds of stuff. Yep, 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 you know. It was a fantastic day. So, so here, here's what I want to say to you this morning to set this up. I think church every Sunday ought to be that one event that energizes us for the rest of the week, Amen. right? I mean, I was getting tired. I was about ready to quit and throw in the towel and go home. And one event just like gave me that energy to keep going. And listen, I don't know what you walked in here dealing with today, but maybe you're discouraged Maybe it's been a hard week. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're ready to quit. But see, I think God gave us the first day of the week, Sunday, as that day that we can come into his house to get re-energized and get refocused, to go out there and battle for another week. And then next Sunday, we come right back in here and we get re-energized again going, hey, like God can do this in my life. And I'm gonna pray that God will just re-energize us today from his word push us out into this world again to go out and be a shining light for Jesus Christ. Is that, is that a deal? Let's do that this morning, can we? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful. God, you knew that we needed this every week to come in here, to sing your praises, to watch these baptisms. How cool was that this morning? God, and just to be the church. And I pray that as we open your word this morning to Galatians chapter five, that we would leave encouraged because of having spent time with you in your word today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter five. This is a great message, a great book that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And, and here's my theme for the morning, and it's this, you can't do it. Okay, you can't do it. Because if I said to you this morning, how many of you want to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus? And how many of you, if you're married, want to be a great spouse? And how many of you that have kids want to be great parents? And how many of you want to be a productive church member? And hopefully, we're sitting here today, we're in God's house, we're going, yeah, like, like I want to be all of those things. And I would say to you this morning, you can't do it.
You can't do it. And that was Paul's message to the people because according to the Mosaic law where you had to fulfill all of these rules and regulations and if you didn't, you failed. And Paul was writing to them saying, hey, listen, guess what? If it's all up to you obeying the Mosaic law and following every little thing that you're supposed to do according to the law to live a life that's pleasing to God, you can't do it. And that's the message that Paul was writing to the church in Galatia and telling them that, which brings us to point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, and point number one is this, that crisis brings hopelessness. Crisis brings hopelessness, because if I can't be a good follower of Jesus, and I can't be a good spouse, and a good parent, and a good church member, then why do I even do what I do? Like, why don't we just throw in the towel, go home, forget it, and never come back again? Then why don't we just give up? And why don't we just go home? And let me answer that question in just a minute. But think about, think about a hopeless situation. You know, I'm sure many of you uh, remember last fall, Hurricane Ian that devastated Florida. You remember that down in that Fort Myers area? And, and uh, we all watched it on the news and, uh, and so much destruction and people lost homes and properties were damaged and 2.5 million people without power and uh, just left lives in absolute chaos down in that area. And we know people personally um, that were affected by that and probably you do too and maybe some in this room even were. And you know, my, my heart, when I looked at all of that destruction, my heart just thought, like, how do, you, how do you even begin to regroup from a crisis like that? I mean, you wanna talk about a hopeless situation? And I would say to those people down there, listen, if it was up to you to rebuild and, and make this thing happen and get your lives back on track, it's too big of a crisis it's a hopeless situation. It's way beyond you. You'll never be able to do it. That's what I would say to them. It's that big of a crisis kind of a situation. And when we get into the book of Galatians chapter five, that's basically what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. Hey, listen, we have a really big crisis and it's hopeless and you can't do it. And look, look at it with me. Galatians chapter five, starting in verse 16 where Paul says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warned you as I've warned you before. So this is the second warning that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so here's, here's Paul's crisis for all of us, right? There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And how many of you would say this? Sometimes the spirit is really, really 
strong, but sometimes the flesh is even stronger and wins against the spirit. Anybody ever fall to the flesh, right? Is it strong? That's what Paul says. It's so strong that sometimes you can't even do the things that you wanna do. That's how strong the flesh is. And there's times that we fail. And there's times that, that according to God's word, that this is a big, big problem. And sometimes we even enjoy living by the flesh, don't we? Sometimes we even enjoy living by the flesh. John MacArthur said this about this passage because this is written to God's people. The flesh is that part of a believer that functions apart and against the spirit. It stands against the work of the spirit in the believer's new heart. This is a battle that goes on. And here's the crisis. Okay, did you read it in verse 21? And those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now let me illustrate this point, can I? And, and, and make it so that we all get it. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. If you're able to right now, I want you to stand up. Okay, just stand up right where you are. If you're able to stand. Okay, because here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk us back through that list of all of those sins of the flesh. And then when we're done, at the end, after I've worked this all the way through it, I'm gonna say to all of us, hey, if you ever fail in any of these areas, then I want you to sit down, okay? Now, please do not sit down early. <laughs> Very embarrassing, okay? Wait till we get done, and then if we're guilty, anybody that's like, yeah, like I fail in that area, we're all gonna sit down together, okay? So, so stay standing here for a minute. But, but here's, here's what these terms mean. Sexual immorality, the word is pornea. It's what we get our word pornography from. Huge problem in our world with both men and women and a huge problem in the church. Okay, can we just be honest about that? The flesh is strong. Impurity, anything that makes you morally unclean, this has the idea of impure moral thoughts. So you ever struggle with your thought life? That's that one. Sensuality, unrestrained sexual indulgence without shame or concern for how it affects others. Okay, so I'm just gonna live the way I want to and I don't care what other people think about it. Okay, that's what that word means, sensuality. So those are sexual sins. These are in like three categories. Category number one is sexual sin that Paul talks about. Category number two is religious sin, idolatry. Anything we value and serve above God, anything in our lives that becomes a priority over Jesus. Does that ever happen to you? Where sports or money or possessions or people or hobbies raised to a level of this is more important to me than Jesus is in my life. That's idolatry. Sorcery is the word pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy and pharmaceutical from. And this has the idea of mood and mind altering drugs. Okay, so if you ever had a problem with alcohol or, or non-prescription drugs or prescription drugs or anything like that, that's what Paul's referring to there. And then category three are behavioral sins that, that hurt relationships, so enmity, hateful attitude issues that cause strife. 
You ever have an attitude against somebody else? Kids, you ever have a bad attitude with your parents? Parents, you ever have a bad attitude about your kids, your spouse? That's what that's talking about. Jealousy, coveting what others have. Fits of anger. This is an unbridled temper. Rivalry, dissension, division, and envy. This is animosity between individuals or groups of people. Okay, so think politics. You ever get frustrated with the other side of the aisle, whatever that aisle is? Think about sports competitions. I mean, all that kind of stuff. That's what that's talking about. And then drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So it's not even an exhaustive list. Paul says that there's still more we could add to the list. And so Paul says, okay, listen, here's the deal. There's the works of the flesh. Okay, now, if you ever say, you know what, that is really strong and there are times in my life that there's at least one of those things on my list where sometimes I fail and sometimes I don't live the way that God wants me and sometimes the flesh overpowers the spirit. If there's one of those things that you're like, yeah, sometimes the flesh wins, then I want you to sit down. Okay, now look around. Nobody is standing. And it's a good thing because I had something to say about pride, if there was. (laughs) So well done having a seat. Okay, now think about the magnitude of the situation here of what Paul just said. The flesh is strong and sometimes, even though we know what we're supposed to do, we don't do it, sometimes the flesh wins. And sometimes we fail. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes all of us fail, right? We're we're on a level playing field here with this sinful nature that still battles our spirit. But here's the point that Paul is making. Paul is saying to us, remember verse 21? And those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, pastor, are you telling me this morning that nobody in this room is going to heaven? Are you telling me that I'm not gonna make it to heaven because those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God and we're all sitting down? And I'm gonna say this, I'm not telling you that. The apostle Paul just told all of us that, that you can't do it. You can't do it. So just turn to your neighbor and just say to them, you can't do it. You can't do it. And none of us can. And I'm super thankful, aren't you, that Galatians doesn't end there. That Paul doesn't end his letter there. Or we are in a hopeless crisis. And we might as well just pack it up and just forget this whole thing called Christianity. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Because look at Galatians chapter five, verse 22. What's the first word in Galatians 5, 22? But, okay? Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but, 
And there is a word of hope that we so desperately need that Paul is going to then flip this thing upside down and go, wait a minute, but there's hope. And I'm gonna tell you what that hope is. Do you remember the people in Florida devastated by Hurricane Ian? So much bigger than anything they could do because all of the things that they're struggling with, like they need hope of all things and and hope was coming. And I'll tell you what the hope was. I saw this picture. Go to that next picture. I saw this picture, which is the staging area in North Florida as Hurricane Ian is rolling in and rolling across Florida and devastating lives. These are the, the electrical company crews from around the United States that were all staging in North Florida waiting for the hurricane to blow through so they could go down and they could restore something to the people that the people could not restore from themselves, which was what? Power. Power. Because without power, you have no hope. Without power, all the people down in that area, what you could say to them is, hey, this is too big of a deal and you'll never make it. You can't do it. It's a hopeless situation if you don't have power because we all need power in a situation like that. Who's ever lost their electricity in a storm before? How frustrating is it, okay? Because you know what? You can lose your power. You can go to that light switch on the wall and, and you can work as hard as you can, right? For as long as you can. And it doesn't matter. That light's not coming back on without power. And you can go to a refrigerator and you can unplug it and plug it back in as fast as you can, as many times as you can, and work as hard as you can, but without power. That refrigerator's not coming back on. You see, that's like, that's like the Old Testament law for people. You can work as hard as you can for as long as you can and try to do all of this in your own power. But you know what? You can't do it. Not without a different power in your life to be successful. And that's where the apostle Paul said, but, but, and then look what the next phrase is, but the fruit of the what? Of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. You see, we don't have the ability to have the power to live successfully against the flesh because the verse doesn't say, but the fruit of Terry Thompson, but the fruit of Phil Byers is enough to be successful. It's the fruit of the spirit and, and, it's, and it's for us in the Christian life. And, and so let's go to point number two, which is this. Power brings hope. Power brings hope, right? In, in the midst of a crisis, power down in Florida gave people the, the ability to go, hey, we can actually do this. We can actually be successful again because now we have power. And power brings the hope that they had to have in a hopeless crisis and situation like that. And the power that we have doesn't come from us it comes only from God. When we have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, the spirit of God indwells us and that spirit gives us power. 
Something that we don't have on our own. Amen? Something we don't have on our own that we can't get by ourselves, but it only comes from God through a relationship with his son when the spirit of God indwells us. And look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13, where the apostle Paul said this, may the God of hope, see, we have a God that's a hopeful God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of what? The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, there is hope in the midst of a hopeless situation because we can't do it. But the Spirit of God in us giving us the power means actually that we can. And the more power we have, the more hope that we have. So how much power does God have? Right? How much power do we have accessible to us? Well, the early church put all of that together when they understood that the power that we have is tied to the power that God has to even raise the dead. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter one, where he said this, concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? So, so there's so much power that God has, he can even raise the dead. The early church understood that and they relied on that kind of power because they knew they couldn't do it on their own. Paul said in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of what? Of his resurrection, right? The power of his resurrection. I don't have time to tell this whole story but your pastor and I had an incredible uh, thing happen to us um, in the Canadian wilderness one year when we were on a wilderness trip. And, and our memory verse for that trip was Philippians 3.10. Do you remember that? That I may know Christ and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. And we got nine men out in the middle of the Canadian wilderness. And when we, when we, when we got off the train to go to our campsite, um, the guy on the train said, hey, there's no fire allowed. And, uh, and we, we couldn't make fire to cook for the whole week that we were out there. And we didn't know it till the last minute and we didn't plan on that. And so we couldn't build any fires. And so, so we started eating everything cold. No hot coffee in the morning. Pastor Phil is miserable. <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker, it didn't affect me at all. Um, but I mean, it was literally miserable. And, and, and I, won't, I can't tell you the whole story, but I'll just tell you this that about four days into that trip, in the middle of the Canadian wilderness, God provided a Thanksgiving dinner for nine guys that were out there. I mean, turkey, mashed potatoes, green beans, chocolate chip muffins. I mean, it was a crazy thing that we're like, look what God can do in the middle of the Canadian world. If he can provide for us a Thanksgiving dinner, and we thought we were the only people out there like that's the power that God can do things that we immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen? That's the power of God. The power to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have access to. Story I'll never forget, right? Never forget that I may know him and the power of the resurrection. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter one 
where Paul said this, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired for life itself. Okay, so think about how bad it had to be. Paul went through some really bad stuff, but he said, it's so bad that I'm despairing for life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. I don't know about you, but like I've never been there yet. Like I'm like such a hopeless situation in such despair for life itself that I feel like I have a sentence of death. That's where Paul was. What's the next word in, in that verse? But, but, there's that hope again. And Paul said this, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who does what? Raises the dead, right? There's the power of our God. He can raise the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us and on him we set our hope that he will deliver us again. Wow, what a great verse. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have access to. And then Paul wraps all of that up and reminds us of that in Ephesians chapter one where he said this, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the wealth of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is the power that we have access to. According to the mighty working of his strength, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens. So, so, so here's the question. If, if we have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, where the spirit of God indwells us and, and we have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, do you think that we have the power to have victory over the flesh? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, it's strong and we can't do it in our power but in the power of the spirit of God, we can walk in victory against the flesh and walk in the spirit. And that's what, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, you can't do it, but the fruit of the spirit is this. You can live this way. And he goes on in verse 22 and 23 to give us these verses that we all know really well. But the fruit of the spirit, here's how you can live is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, we could take a, a message, maybe your pastor has, and just break down what each one of those things mean individually. We don't have time to do that. But let me just take two of those, okay, to tell you this, that the fruit of the Spirit is bookend with two things, love and self-control. And those two things actually hold the rest of that together. Because if you lose either bookend of the fruit of the spirit, everything else falls apart. Okay, so think about this. If you don't have love, there's no joy, there's no peace, 
There's no patience, there's no kindness, there's no goodness, there's no faithfulness, there's no gentleness, and there's no self-control. Love is what like holds all of this stuff together. And Paul said in Colossians chapter three, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So here's a bunch of the fruit of the spirit. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in unity. Put on love. That's what, that's what we're supposed to do. So, and, and same thing with self-control. If you don't have self-control, everything else falls apart. The peace, the joy, all of that falls apart. So, so let me, get, let me get, tell you how this works. So last football season, my wife Kelly is a big Michigan football fan. Any other Michigan fans in the house? Okay, we, we got some Go Blue fans in the house. So, so we, have a, we have a friend in our church who's a Big Ten official, and uh, she said, hey, if you ever want to get tickets to a game, sometimes I can get them. And so we're like, well, um, they're, they're playing down at IU, Michigan is. Can you get us tickets? He said, okay. So yeah, go ahead and put that picture back up there if you would. So, so we go down to the game, and, um, and, and there it is right there. So, so beautiful day, um, wonderful opportunity. We drive down to Bloomington. Uh, we had to pick up the tickets from Will Call. And so I said, uh, I said we, we, and we didn't know, like we haven't been down there very much. So we got in this line of traffic and we went right in front of the stadium. And I said to Kelly, hey, um, jump out, go find Will Call, get the tickets. I'll find somewhere to park and, uh, and then text me and I'll, I'll meet you and we'll go into the game. So she jumps out and runs up to go get our tickets. So I'm, I'm looking for somewhere to park. And all the places that have like $20 parking or whatever, they're all full. And so I drive up into this neighborhood and there's some apartment buildings, there's some housing. Some of it looks like student housing. Some of it looks like residential. Um, didn't really know. And so I'm looking around and I pull into this, this complex and there's a lot of empty parking places. And, and I'm thinking, this might be a little risky, but, but you know, I'll park way in the back and I, I think we'll be okay. So I pulled in and I parked the car. Go into the game, uh, great game, Michigan wins, everybody's happy. Uh, we come back out of the game, and Kelly says, so where did you park? And I said, well, I parked up in this neighborhood area. It might have been a little risky, because I'm not sure, because I think some of it was, was student housing, but I, but I think we'll be okay. There was lots of spots. I parked way in the back, all this kind of stuff. And so, so we come around the corner, and I go, oh, no. She's like, what? And I said, the car's gone. She's like, did you get towed? I said, well, it kind of looks like it or somebody stole the car, one of the two. So, so we're looking around on this telephone pole, there's this little sign. If you're missing your car, call this number. So I get my cell phone out, I call this number. I said, hey, I think maybe you have my car. The guy says, where did you park? So I tried to describe it to him. He goes, oh yeah, that's student parking. You can't park in there. I'm sure we have your car. How do I get my car? Where are you? Well, we're about a mile down the road. Thankfully, it wasn't further than that. So, so we hoofed it for a mile, get to this impound lot. Sure enough, there's our car. So I walk in, uh, say, hey, yeah, that's my car out there. And so the guy's like, okay. And so he gets some information and then, then he starts punching in his calculator, right? And I'm thinking, oh boy. And he gets done and he goes, uh, that'll be $160. And I was like, yowch. Thankfully the tickets were free, right? 
So I come out and, uh, and I go, okay, let's, let's go. And Kelly's like, how much was it? And I said, $160. Okay, now if you're my wife, what are you gonna say to me? You're probably thinking, I can't say that in church, right? <laughs> what are you gonna say to me? You know what? She had every right to cut loose on me, didn't she? She had every right to go, you're an idiot. You should have figured that out. That costs us 160 bucks. That just ruined our day. I can't believe you do that. She had every right to say all kinds of things to me that would have been fair and just because I was an idiot, I parked in the wrong spot, I knew it was risky, and we had to pay the price. Do you think my wife was frustrated with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how she responded? With love and self-control. With love and self-control. And think about if she wouldn't have responded with love and self-control, what that would have done to our day, right? If she wouldn't have responded that way in the power of the spirit of God, you think it would have ruined the joy of the day? You think it would have ruined the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness? But you know what? She chose in the power of the Spirit of God to respond with love and self-control. And it didn't wreck our day. The Spirit won over the flesh. Isn't that how it works? How many times does the flesh win? How many times in our relationships does the flesh win? And when something doesn't go the way that we want it to go, we respond in an unloving way with no self-control. And then it wrecks everything else. You see how that works? You gotta have those two things or everything else falls apart. But listen, we can do it in the power of the Spirit of God, can't we? Amen to that? We don't have to lose to the flesh we have the same spirit of God, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have that very same spirit. So let me end with this. Maybe you're thinking, but pastor, are we going to heaven? Because we were all sitting down. Let me answer that question for you. Look at, look at verse 24 and 25. Paul ends by saying this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we are in Christ, we've crucified the flesh. We have the power to win over the flesh. And, and in verse 21, it, when it says, and those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, what that, that literally has the idea, those who do such things, I mean, it has the idea that you continually, habitually fall to the same sin, which means that there wouldn't be any evidence that the spirit of God is actually alive in your life, which means that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So, so this morning, let me just end by saying this. If you're sitting there going, man, like I continually fail. I continually fail. And there's no evidence of the spirit of God that I have access to this power that's helping me live in victory. Then probably one of two things is true. Number one would be that maybe you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because only through a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ is where the spirit of God indwells us that gives us access to the power to live in victory. And so maybe you just need Jesus in your life if you just can't seem to have victory over the flesh. But the other thing might be that you're just not tapping into the access that you have. That you need to surround yourself with the kind of things that are gonna remind you of the power that you have, that you need to be in church on Sunday, that you need to be around God's people during the week. They're gonna infuse you and remind you of the power that you have in the spirit of God, that you have to be in the word of God, and that you have to be in prayer. Because the last thing and the last point on your sheet is this, you can do it. You can do it. But you can't in your power, but you can in the power of the Spirit of God. And so I hope this morning that as you walk out of these doors, that that word from the Word of God re-energizes you today to go, you know what? I can go out here and I can live victoriously in my walk with Jesus. Not in who I am, but in the power of the Spirit of God that indwells me. You can do it. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We're so thankful for the, the word of God that is so encouraging to us, that helps us understand that yes, the flesh is strong. And yes, there are times that we will fail because we were all sitting down. But we can actually have power, uh, access to the power that gives us the ability to walk in a way to live victorious as we walk out of these church. But then God, bring us back next Sunday to be re-energized again because we need that every Sunday in our lives if we're gonna do this thing and do it successfully for the glory and the praise and the honor of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray, amen. because he wants to greet you um, as you leave today. He's going to be standing by his table for um, Small Church USA. If you want to get any questions answered, you want to inquire about how you might be able to get involved, um, please stop by and do that. Let's stand together. And uh, before I dismiss you, just want to let you know that the invitation is always open. If you want to receive Christ today and receive that power that Terry was talking about, we'd love to help you with that. We have a prayer team that will be down here in the front. And as everyone's going that way, you come this way and we'll help you find Jesus. If you maybe are stuck right now in your spiritual walk and you're really struggling to exercise the power that is inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit and you want some help with that, there's mighty power in prayer, my friends. And our prayer team would love to pray over that with you and help you find some victory in all of that. You encouraged? All right, share some of that encouragement on the way out and that hope as you love on each other. God bless you. We'll see you next week.